Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. We are live online. Welcome all of you that are worshiping with us, watching with us online tonight for Leadership Night. We appreciate you joining us. And uh, for those of you here in the room, I appreciate you joining us. My name is Mel Massingale. And uh, yeah, Leadership Night is just an opportunity for us to talk through some leadership principles together uh, that hopefully you can apply in your leadership, in your business, in your, uh, maybe in the church, uh, maybe in your home, whatever it might be. And, um, and typically we don't I don't share scripture or anything like that, and it's not because we're afraid of that. It's just because these are all biblical principles anyway, and uh, we feel like Jesus was the greatest leader that ever lived, and we can take from his ideas and take from some of his principles, and we don't have to be overt about it necessarily. But, uh, but um, yeah, tonight what we're talking through is something that is um, very much a Christian principle, but it applies in lots of different contexts. So, um, so yeah, hope you can... Take it and run with it in whatever context you lead in this evening. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks for being a part. Um, those of you that are watching online, um, if you've got questions while we're going through this this evening, uh, my esteemed colleague Michael Bond is around and he will be fielding some of those questions for us, I believe. So feel free to ask your questions wherever you're watching from and uh, we'll get to those here shortly. So let me open with a quick word of prayer, and then we'll get going. So Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the people here in the room. Thank you for the people that are watching online. I just pray that as we walk through uh, these leadership principles, that we would see clear ways how to apply these, how to grow our leadership and grow our influence, so that we can become better leaders. And ultimately, for those of us that are believers, God, that we can um, influence people for your good and for your kingdom. So God, minister in and through us. Uh, I pray that you'd open our eyes and I pray that you'd just minister in our hearts. Whatever we've brought into this place, whatever hurt, whatever baggage, I pray that you'd bring healing and wholeness to us as we walk through these principles. So God, be glorified in our time together. In Christ's name, amen. So when we talk about the word love, um, that is not typically something we talk about in the business world much. Um, there's not a lot of CEOs. My water bottle is making me nervous. It's like just a little too wobbly. There's not a lot of CEOs that are in board meetings talking through how do we love our clients better? Or how do we love our employees better? Um, but I was talking with our staff this last week about a study that was done by the, um, the Wharton School um, uh, Penn and they did a longitudinal study on affection in the workplace. Now, before we take this too far, I want you to understand when I say affection in the workplace, we're not talking about inappropriate affection. What we're talking about is uh, like collegial kind of affection, um, what the Greeks would call agape love, like a brotherly love. So they, were, they did a longitudinal study. It was over the course of uh, 16 months, they interviewed 185 employees, 108 patients, and 42 patient family members at two different points, uh, 16 months apart. 
and they interviewed people at a long-term healthcare facility in the Northeast that also had a hospital. And so what they did is they interviewed them on a number of different data points and asked them questions about their mental health, their mental well-being, how they felt cared for by their employers and by their leadership and things like that. And some of the results were, were surprising um, because even in a church context, there are things that they saw that I think make a lot of sense. Um, and if you go back, I think it was two months ago, leadership night, we talked about the, the problem of demoralization in our culture and how people are demoralized and probably people you lead are demoralized. And we talked about the problem of demoralization. And one of the solutions we offered was vision. I think this, what we're talking about tonight could be another uh, spoke in the wheel of bringing solution to um, disillusionment and demoralization ultimately uh, in a team or in a workforce. So what they found uh, is, is kind of surprising. So a couple of things. Number one, employees who worked in a loving, caring culture reported higher levels of satisfaction in teamwork. Now, this makes sense, right? Because if you feel loved by your supervisor, like, hey, I'm genuinely cared for, uh, it probably means you're going to have more satisfaction in your, uh, in your work. Um, but even among coworkers, what they discovered is when, when coworkers feel cared for by another coworker, um, it creates an atmosphere and a culture of acceptance, of care um, that, that, that raises their overall satisfaction with work, makes them trust their teammates more um, because they feel cared for. So that kind of makes sense. But there was an, another consequence to that that maybe didn't make as much sense. And they, what they discovered is there were fewer call-outs. So there were fewer people calling out sick and using PTO because they actually wanted to be at work. They enjoyed their environment. They enjoyed the people they worked with. And again, this makes sense, right? Like, if you like people you work with, you'll be more excited about going to work, right? And um, this is something that, it's not like a light bulb moment where it's like, ah, oh, but it kind of is, because I know all kinds of employers that are trying to solve problems um, like, how do I um, retain more employees? And maybe one of the solutions to employee retention is create an environment that employees don't want to leave. And part of that is not just paying people more, but maybe part of that is creating a, a, a culture of love where people feel loved and valued and accepted. So they, they showed up to work more often in that kind of culture. They used less vacation time, which uh, for us, I want my staff using vacation time because I want them taking time off. But for a lot of companies who are very profit-driven, they are looking for ways to keep their staff from going on vacation. Um, I actually worked for a company one time. We had unlimited paid time off. And so I, I cornered the regional manager one time, and I was like, help me understand this, because it seems very benevolent, but it doesn't make sense. Uh, and, and the regional manager said, okay, uh, have you taken any PTO since you've been here? And I said, everybody will have waited on their vacation. Some of you guys work in environments like that, where everything shuts down in the November and December, basically, because everybody's taking their PTO. And so there are environments where they go, unlimited PTO, but it's really selfishly motivated because they're trying to keep you working, right? Um, but this is different. 
because they say, hey, we love you, we are for you, and because of that affection you feel, you're driven to work more. So I guess the moral of the story is, even if you hate your employees, you need to pretend like you love them to get them to work harder. Um, Joking, you should genuinely love them. Um, So another thing they saw is that this type of culture uh, related directly not only to the performance of the teams, of the healthcare workers, of the administrators, but one of the things they saw um, as well as when the employees were happy, when the healthcare workers were happy, the clients were much happier as well. So it made a difference not just on the employees and the people who were receiving the direct affection from a coworker or from a boss, but it also had a direct impact on the people these people were caring for because now these people were doing their job better. Now these people were being more attentive. These people were paying uh, more attention to the person and, and giving them better care. So it related directly to client outcomes, uh, including patient moods, um, to their quality of life, their, their satisfaction with the care they received at the facility. And it actually also benefited in that they saw these clients that were going to the ER less after they were in this healthcare facility. So it literally improved the health of their clients as well. Um, and this is really interesting to me when I read this study, and if, you, if you're interested in seeing the study, I can send you a link. And so I don't have notes for tonight. Like, usually I'll have an outline where it's like, point one, sub point, 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 and you, uh, we will send those out. I don't have notes like that tonight. Um, really, I'm just kind of sharing some of the results of the study and then just sharing some ideas with you, some thoughts. We're just kind of dialoguing tonight. So if you want to see this study, um, if you'll sign up, if you'll sign your email up as the sheet goes around. We'll send you the link to the study tomorrow so that you can take a look at it if you'd like. Um, but it's easy to look at this and go, well, of course that works in a healthcare facility. Um, it, you know, that's different than building widgets or, you know, we're selling insurance or whatever it might be. So would that really work in our environment? And another interesting part of this is they did another study, a follow-up study, where they they did the same questions um, with companies spanning all kinds of different industries and included over 3,200 different employees. Seven different industries uh, from like financial services and real estate and things like that. And what they saw were the results were virtually identical across the board regardless of industry. So it didn't matter if you were a church, it didn't matter if you were selling insurance. What they saw is Employees are happier when they're loved. They work better when they're loved. They show up more often when they're loved. They treat the clients better when they're loved. And so the natural thing for me as a leader to do is go, how do we, how do we help our staff feel loved more, right? Um, because if they're going to perform better, if they're going to show up more often, if they're going to treat our people better, then it just makes sense that I need to prioritize uh, this for our team as well. Um, so here, here's some results of the, the larger study of 3,200. It said that people who worked in a culture where they felt free to express affection, tenderness, caring, and compassion for one another were more satisfied with their jobs, committed to the organization, and accountable for their performance. 
So they were more willing to be held accountable for what they did because they actually cared about the organization. They weren't just a hireling at that point, cashing a check every week. Um, They really cared about the outcomes of the organization because they really felt cared for. Now, probably all of us have worked at organizations where we felt like a cog in the wheel, right? Like, I am just a number. I am just a means to an end for them to make profit or whatever it might be. And you've probably also worked places where you felt like, man, I matter. Um, I matter to my boss, I matter to the owner, whatever it might be. And you would probably say you worked different in those environments. And this is what this data is spelling out, is that when we feel loved, we work differently. We work harder, we work better. And I think we can see this across, across broad sections of our, of our culture, no matter what the industry is. So a couple things, a couple takeaways I want to share with you. The first is this. We've talked about culture in um, leadership night before, and I think culture is super important. I was on a, in a conversation with um, a church in California that they were asking me, like, okay, what do you need to do if you want to start other locations? Because we want to start more locations. What do we need to do? And they were asking about, like, nuts and bolts, like step one, step two, step three, what do we need to do? And I just told them the most important thing you need to do is figure your culture out. Because if you don't know your culture, you're going to start something else and it's going to be a Frankenstein and you're going to have a hard time. No matter if you've got people, if you've got money, none of that stuff matters. Culture, culture, culture. And I feel like this is true across the board. Um, There are lots of churches who can have a Sunday morning service, who can preach, who can have kids ministry. Um, But they can replicate a lot of stuff that we do, but one of the things that's hard for them to replicate is the culture of our church. And so I want to I make sure we're good at our culture, that we understand our culture. So with all that said, a lot of times when we talk about culture, we talk about in the business setting, we talk about, um, we talk about things like, uh, it's like cognitive culture, like results and teamwork and things like that. This is part of our culture, and it is part of our culture, but we neglect emotional culture. And the emotional culture is how do people feel? Um, So the cognitive culture is kind of what we do, but the the emotional culture is how do we feel? How do do our teams feel? How do our leaders feel? Um, And that's the thing that's hard to replicate across the board because I want people to feel comfortable when they walk in our doors. I want them to feel like, man, this is home. Um, I met a lady a few weeks ago. It was her first time at, here at Summit. And after service, um, one, of our, one of our dream team brought her to me and said, hey, I want to introduce you. And we met. And I said, hey, how was your experience? And she said, I've, I, it's been 20 years since I've been at church. And she said, but I want you to know I've never been to church where I felt like I feel. And I said, well, tell me what, what you're talking about. What do you mean? And she said, I just feel so comfortable. And this lady had a lot of tattoos. Um, and, uh, and just judging by her interaction, I would say she probably had a pretty tough life. But she said, I don't feel judged. I feel so comfortable. I feel so at home here. And I was like, that's, that's what I want you to feel, right? And that is the emotional culture. Um, and your teams that you lead, they have an emotional culture. How do they feel about being part of the organization? About, uh, <coughs> swallowed my spit. If somebody has to give me mouth to mouth because of my spit, this will be the most viewed video on YouTube. <coughs> So your team, I'm good now, your team has an emotional culture, um, and they feel a certain way, 
whether you're designing that or whether it's accidental, there is an emotional culture. And so it's important for you to understand that you need to broaden the definition of your culture, that it's not just about what we do. Well, here's what we do. It really is about how do we want our teams to feel? How do we want our people to feel? Um, and beyond that, um, we've got to understand that we're the, we're the ones that are setting the tone for how people feel as leaders. Um, so if I don't like the emotional culture of my organization that I'm leading, I've got to look at myself and go, well, I'm setting the tone, so what am I doing about this? Um, if, if I'm leading with a real heavy hand, if I'm flying off the handle all the time, if I'm emotional, if I'm, then I'm setting the tone for the organization. I'm setting the tone for the, um, the emotional culture of our team. And so we've got to understand that we own that as the leader, department leader, team leader, whatever it is you are leading, you're setting the tone. Maybe it's in your home. Uh, maybe, maybe you're setting a tone in your home that you would rather not set, but you're just not paying attention to the fact that you are the one who's leading the way. Um, the other thought I had when I was thinking through this was, um, as, a, as a company, there are policies that culture, or corporately that you can put in place uh, that will actively help people feel cared for. Um, I was reading that, um, oh, it was the CEO of major tech company, I think it was Cisco, the CEO of Cisco, thousands and thousands of employees. Um, I'm almost positive that's who it was. So the CEO of Cisco one of the policies they have in place is he is, not, he is personally notified as the CEO every time an employee, any employee in their organization loses a family member that's a direct relation to them. He's personally notified so he can reach out to that individual and have a conversation and check on them and come alongside them. Now, in an organization where you would never speak to the CEO, getting a phone call from the CEO and saying, hey, I, I heard you lost your mom, how are you doing? What, what can we do for you? That's pretty meaningful, right? Um, that, that goes a long way in helping people feel loved and valued. Uh, there are organizations and companies, and maybe your company does this, where um, people can donate their vacation time or their sick time to somebody if they're going through a prolonged illness and they've run out. So you can actually donate your time PTO to somebody else to help them. There are companies that have funds like disaster funds where people can contribute a part of their paycheck to a disaster fund. And then uh, people that are going through a disaster, maybe they had a, a house fire and they lost everything. Uh, they can tap into this emergency fund, co this corporate emergency fund to help them with their life. And again, if you're dealing with this stuff, this is a practical way for you to feel like, man, this, this company cares about me. Uh, this company is for me. And so there are some broader things that you can think about doing um, to help uh, cultivate a culture of affection and care for your teams. So those are some, some big things, but, but if we're going to be honest, uh, like with our church, I feel like our staff has a really healthy culture. And um, I mean, and I'm biased, obviously, but uh, the, we haven't had a major staff turnover. You know, during their great resignation, it was not uncommon for companies to have 30% of their workforce turnover. Um, and I think we only had one staff member leave in the, like the last four years. Um, and... Uh, 
And so I'm grateful for that. And I think part of that is because we have a healthy culture. And one of the reasons we have a healthy culture is because, not because I'm so good at crafting culture, it's because we have a great team and they care for each other really well. Um, So maybe you can't do some of the high level things I just mentioned, but I bet you could do some things like this. One of the things our team does well is they check in on each other. So it's it's not the big corporate stuff necessarily. It's the little things like just talking to each other as they're walking by the office. Hey, how was your weekend? What's going on? How's your family doing? Oh, I heard about what's going on with that. Like those moments are really, really, really valuable um, in building a culture of care and building a culture of affection. Um, and so, so maybe it's a matter of just taking a minute with those small moments to work through some of that stuff. Um, so we're going to unpack some of this in just a second, but one of the things is I was thinking through this, and I didn't share this with our staff, but um, has anybody ever read The Five Love Languages? Uh, Les and Leslie Parrott, I think, wrote that. I, now that I'm saying that, I don't remember. They wrote His Needs, Her Needs, maybe. I don't remember. Anyway, The Five Love Languages, it's been around forever. Um, it's really important for you as a leader to understand that all of your team are going to receive love differently. This is something I struggled with in my marriage at first because I am like physical touch. Like I am a guy that like, if you want to tell me you love me and you put your arm around me, like that's going to mean something to me, right? But if you tell me like, you're so good, man, I saw this and you're so great. Like, okay, that's fine. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean as much to me as like with my wife, if, if I've ever got a guest speaker and I'm sitting on the front row and my wife like rubs my back just a little bit. Nothing even weird, just rubs my back. That like, yes, that's it for me, right? Okay, so knowing the way your team uh, receives love is really, really important because you might be doing your best to treat them well, to say, man, I'm showing them affection, but if they don't receive it, it doesn't matter. If they don't recognize it for what it is. So if you are taking notes, five things real quick. And if you Google five love languages, you're going to find these. The first is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation are not just good job. Words of affirmation to somebody who, who receives and needs words of affirmation needs to be specific. So you can't just say, good job with that. It needs to be, hey, the presentation you did, you did a great job explaining this concept. Um, like that's going to be way more meaningful than good job. Um, it's not just telling your spouse, you did a... Dinner was good. It's, man, the, the way you prepared that, I've never tasted it like, that was so good, thank you. Like, spe- uh, specificity is really, really important on words of affirmation. So if you've got somebody on your team that is a words of affirmation person, uh, don't be lazy, don't mail it in. Use words of affirmation, but be specific about it. Um, another one is acts of service. This is my wife's. This is a big one for my wife. Um, my wife, she, if, 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 I want to sit by her and cuddle with her. She's like not interested. But if I go and do the dishes for her, like now that is not to be weird. That's foreplay for my wife, right? <laughs> like she's like, what is that? Dishes jingling in the sink in there? Now the problem is, my as my girls got older, they got the the dish responsibility. So, um, but acts of service is big for my wife. Doing things for my wife without being asked and uh, anticipating what she might need or want. Uh, and doing that for her is really important for her, acts of service. So just doing nice things for people um, is really important. Uh, another is gifts. And everybody's like, well, everybody likes gifts. Uh, well, yeah, but uh, people who, this is their love language, 
Uh, it's not about the, the, the magnitude of the gift. It's not about the dollar amount. It's about the thought put into the gift. And so here's something really simple. When I was a youth pastor years ago, um, the schools that I was targeting, I would make friends with the secretaries and I would figure out what their favorite drinks were from like Starbucks or from like the gas station. And I knew, and about every other week, I would just show up at the school. You know, if I was going for an appointment or going to a school lunch, I would show up and be like, hey ladies, just wanted to bring these to you. And they'd be like, oh my gosh. It meant so much to them that I remembered their drinks that they liked. And you could do this with your team. It would be pretty easy to go, okay, I know they like Diet Cherry. I know they like Dr. Pepper and spend $8 before a meeting and show up and just pass out your drinks. And they're gonna think you're a rock star. They're gonna be so grateful for you. And it did not cost you very much, but it was a big return coming back to you because you thought about them. Uh, the fourth one is quality time. Quality time is spending time with somebody. Um, just being with them. Um, one of my girls is this way. They would rather just hang out with me than me buy them a gift. Um, and may, they, I think they're growing out of that maybe, but, um, but they would prefer me just to hang out with them and talk and spend time. Um, and, and here's the thing. I've heard people say, well, we don't have quality time. We don't have quantity time, but we've got quality time. And especially when it comes to a parenting relationship, I'd say that's garbage because quantity time leads to quality time. The more time I spend with my girls, the more opportunities I have for quality time, if that makes sense. Um, and so even with your teams, uh, quantity time will lead to quality time. And I know you can't spend equal time with everybody in your team and everybody you're leading, but the more time you can spend, especially with the people that value quali quality time, the more important it's gonna be. Uh, because your time is a gift for them. Uh, and the last one is the one I mentioned earlier, physical touch. One of the things, and I'm sharing some secrets, one of the things I've told some of our ushers and greeters is um, not in a weird way, but I want every single person that walks through the doors of our church to have a healthy touch. And maybe it's a handshake, maybe it's a pat on the shoulder. And there are people that you see their body language and you're like, nope, there is, <laughs> there is no touch for them that they will perceive as healthy, so that's fine. But there's some people that never have a healthy touch in their day. They never have somebody put their arm around them or shake their hand and look them in the eye. And, and so something as simple as that can mean a lot. And so again, the world we live in, you just can't go willy-nilly um, sniffing people's hair and doing weird things. Like, don't do that, okay? Um, but what you can do is figure out where your, your boundaries are, your healthy boundaries. And, uh, and there's some people that... You know, you can ask, hey, do you need a hug today? I had an appointment earlier with a couple, and they were dealing with some rough stuff. And, um, and at the end of the appointment, we prayed, and I just said, is, is it okay if I give you a hug? And she just weeping, we're like, yes, because, like, there's a lot of things I don't do very well, but I'm very huggable. Like, I'm like, like okay, so I just gave her a big hug, and she, she needed that hug. And there are some of your team members, some of your employees that it's not appropriate to show up every day and, you know, greet them with a holy kiss, as the Bible says. You know, you're giving everybody kisses on the cheek. Like, corporate might get, have a word with you, right? Uh, but there's definitely a place for you to show physical affection appropriately uh, in the workplace. So, with all that said, I just wanted to give some, a broad overview of some things and then just kind of drop some things in your lap for you to think about. Because my hope is that you will apply some of this, that you'll go, like tonight, you'll go, you know what, I can do a better job of doing this with the team that I'm in or the team that I lead or the department that I'm over. Um, here's a way that I can show affection better or show my appreciation. 
Um, and so that's my hope for you guys. So let's just dialogue about some of this and talk through it. And so questions or comments about anything we just shared? Pushback, maybe you disagree. Let's talk through it. Um, when it comes to establishing emotional culture, are the positive influencers or the negative influencers more impactful? <laughs> um, more impactful. <sighs> Part of it is going to depend on the season of leadership. Early on, the negative are going to be real impactful. The longer you're there, the, the less those negative voices are going to be impactful, probably, as long as you're leading well. But, I mean, that's the problem. It can be... Yeah, depending on the organization, too, you don't always have a control over who's there. I mean, if somebody's horrible in our organization, I can fire them if I have to. But sometimes you're just stuck with a bad team member, and you can't do anything about it. And so that's where I would say you just keep loving on them, keep encouraging them, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll turn the voice. But, yeah, the, the, the negative voices are usually louder than the, the positive ones, unfortunately. And that's where you just have to keep reinforcing that positive and the, the affection and the good as much as possible. Are there some things that you can do with the people who are around the negative influencer to prevent the negative influence from spreading? Like ways to talk <laughs> to them? Or? Yeah, uh, yeah, there are. The problem is most people aren't comfortable having those conversations. Um, so if, um, I mean, I've had these conversations with people in leadership night where we've talked about having hard conversations with people and they're like, man, I've got this person on my team and they're toxic. And I was like, well, what have you said to them? Well, I haven't said anything. Does the team know they're toxic? Everybody knows they're toxic. Has anybody said anything? No, why not? Well, I don't want to have to tell them. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, and that's where a lot of people are. They just, they're like, I recognize this. I see this. Oh, but the cost of having this conversation is not worth the pain it's going to cause me. That's what happens a lot of times, in my opinion. Um, but I think, yeah, if I was leading a, a team and there was somebody who was toxic on the team, I would encourage the people that work closely with them to push back on that in as loving and gentle a way as possible. But let them know. I mean, because people will do what we allow them to do. And so if we just tell them, hey, this behavior is not appropriate. Uh, we're not going to allow that anymore. Here's where the new boundary is. Um, then that will that should help. But that's a good question. Anybody have any thoughts on that or feedback on that? Because some of you are living in that right now. Thankfully, I don't have any bad coworkers that, that I'm trying to neutralize. But maybe you do. Any thoughts or feedback or comments? Yeah, hold on one second. I want to make sure the folks online can hear you. Yeah, go ahead. Is that toxic behavior caused by, you know, something deeper, maybe, you know, one of the five characteristics that maybe they need? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, there definitely is something else going on that's causing them to act out the way they do. Maybe they feel insecure. Maybe they don't like their place on the team. Maybe their dog hates them at home and they're carrying that to work. I mean, there's a million reasons. I, I genuinely don't believe that somebody who is toxic in the workplace is it's easy to dismiss them as just evil well they're just bad that's why they act like that well no maybe they're not just bad but we don't know all the layers of what's going on underneath so i think that makes it easier to love them though when we can go you know what they're not just evil there's something going on in their heart because then they become um now they're not the villain they become somebody that you can sympathize with and when you sympathize with somebody it makes it real hard to dislike them or to hate them. Does that make sense? So that's a good question. This uh, kind of goes along the line of 
his initial question, it's a meme that I just saw the other day and saved. <laughs> it's, nothing will destroy a great employee's morale and inspiration faster than watching their employer tolerate and reward a bad one. Absolutely. And I, just, I think that's so true. Everywhere I've worked yeah. and I've seen laziness or, or poor attitude be t tolerated or even rewarded, like, well, they're not gonna, you know, this, this person's not gonna do it right, so I'm gonna give it to this person to yeah. do, because they always do it right, and that just, just like, I've just seen it destroy so many good employees. Yeah, and I, I've, told, I've told churches this, pastors this, but it's the same thing in your organization with your teams. You choose who you lose. Um, so if you don't wanna lose your best employees, your best team members, then don't cater to the bad ones. Because when you do that, the good ones will leave. Because uh, they will find some place where they will be appreciated or loved when you let the bad ones get away with whatever they, whatever you're unwilling to confront. Um, and so, same thing in our church. If I allow bad behavior and ungodly behavior, the people I want to stick around will not. They will find some place else. So, yeah, good good comment. Memes save the day. Thank you. Go ahead. So, what do you do when it's the the manager that? Is, yeah. is, is negative. When you have a manager you've worked for for years that's just stellar and motivates everyone, he retires, they bring somebody in from somewhere else and yeah. just destroys everyone's motivation. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I want to kick it back to the group because I am sure there are some people sitting in this room that have experienced that that can speak to that intelligently. So what do you do when you have a great manager and that manager moves on for whatever reason and they're replaced by a manager that, um, that you wanna shave their head because they might have the mark of the beast somewhere on their hairline, right? So yeah, in the back. Uh, it might sound kind of churchy and corny, but uh, pray for them. I know when I mm -hmm. complained to to my wife about a supervisor that I had. That was her first thing to say. How often have you prayed for them? And I was like, why do you be like that, right? Uh, but then once I started to, you know, uh, I'm not going to say anything happened like right away or instantly because yeah. that's not how it works. But I noticed then, um, I started to notice other things about them. Like I tend to be strength focused in general. Mm -hmm. So then it was to, when I found uh, something that I really appreciated that supervisor did, you know, strength wise, I focused on that. You yeah. know, gave them feedback or, and then I felt like that became contagious. Mm -hmm. So um, it's definitely not an easy prog process, but to me that was probably one of the better things. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. What else? Any other thoughts on that? little different direction, but what, what do you do with employees that are proficient or technically competent? They're not bad at their job, but they're not a cultural fit. Like it's very evident that they're not fitting the culture that you're building, but it's difficult to address them because they're doing the job technically okay, but, but clearly there's a cultural divide that, between what they have and, and what you're doing. I think some industries, culture is probably more important than others. I think it's important no matter what, but I think there's some industries you can live with a bad cultural fit if they're doing their job, if they're a rock star at their job. But for, for me, I think culture is, a, is an important enough area for me that if somebody is great at their job but they're bad at the culture, they probably need to go. And it probably starts with a conversation like, man, how do you feel like you're fitting in? What do you, how do you feel like you, you fit here at 
XYZ Corporation. Um, how do you feel about, you know, because there's probably some things you've noticed where you're like, okay, this area, they do this, and this is what our culture is. Here's the disconnect. So you could probably ask some specific questions about, hey, I noticed this. Tell me about, you know, so how, how do you feel like you're fitting in? Because I think there's a pretty good chance if they're even remotely self-aware, like, okay, I see that I'm not the perfect fit here. So that might create an, an exit strategy that way. But I would rather have somebody who is a B at their job but killing the culture and get us and understand us than somebody who's A plus at their job and a B at the culture personally. So, good I'm question. I'm gonna add on to that. Just yeah. I was let go from a job in downtown Pittsburgh specifically for cultural differences. Um, I'm a country girl and downtown no longer fit. So the biggest issue with that is I knew it was, I wanted to leave, they wanted to leave just tell them like mm-hmm. I was kind of let go just for cultural differences. Maybe if you can explain without getting sued. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, there it is. Explain there it is it a yeah. little bit closer to, you know what? We think that it's a better fit, you know, for yeah. you to find somewhere where you're excelling, you know, yeah. be their cheerleader. Don't um, just push them in another direction. What they think it, what your employee ends up thinking is convenience, you know, yeah. It's not an easy conversation, but I'm certainly happy that I went a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God you're a country boy, right? Sorry, John Denver. He's not even from West Virginia. Did you know that? He's from Oklahoma, by the way, John Denver is. He's lied to us all. So what else? This is a question more for my husband than for me, but he... Uh, oh, Frock, that you're saying for my husband. And I was like, why are we talking about this here, then? This feels <laughs> yeah, like, awkward. Yeah, like, you're like hoping he's watching right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> he recently got a super um, a supervisory role in, like, the leadership above is toxic and the guys below him are toxic. And um, the guys have been there for decades longer than him that he's in charge of. And pretty much every day it's just people complaining. <laughs> and... He doesn't, I mean, he kind of just doesn't care, I think, that they're terrible mm-hmm. to him. But also, like, his, his life would be a lot better if yeah. everyone was kind at work. So what, like, practical things could he do where he's not in charge of vacation time and he's not in mm-hmm. charge of, like, you know, the policies? Okay, so these two words are super powerful. Thank you. Like, it's amazing the doors thank you opens. Like, so when you're not in charge of... PTO and, you know, all those kind of corporate things. It's amazing when you just thank the people that are, are working under you, just saying, man, I recognize how hard you're working. And I just want to say, I appreciate it. Thank you for going the extra mile. Yeah. It's crazy. And so I think those little things are the things that, I mean, some organizations don't want to change. And one person, it's really hard to change, especially a big organization. But he can have a huge impact in the the emotional welfare and health of the people he's directly connected to. And so that's where I would tell him, your husband, who I'm not going to name because their employees or employers might be watching, um, that I would tell your husband, hey, focus on the people you can impact. And the longer you're able to do that, um, a smart organization is going to see like, okay, this guy seems to be doing well, man, his employees, their exit interviews are different than the other employees. Like they seem to be really happy. They seem, you know, if they're smart, they're going to see that stuff. And if he's okay with, 
the sandwich toxic culture above him and below him, then if he can stick around and make a difference in his area, I would think at some point it's going to be recognized. Yeah, I think even not even the, um, if his employer saw it, just to make his life better, mm-hmm. his life's better. Just it's more fun whenever. Yeah. Everyone's not complaining all day. So. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And the truth is, they they call it work for a reason. Like I love my job. I'm. I literally am called to do what I'm doing, and there are still days. It is really, really, really hard. Um, and so just because we have a good environment or a good culture does not mean there aren't days it's going to suck. It's going to. There are days that you're like, God, I can't believe i got to go to work today. That's part of it, unfortunately. So, yeah. I just wanted to encourage you with a little sprinkle of joy. <laughs> work is hard. Work stinks sometimes. Any other thoughts or questions or comments? When it comes to loving other people well in the workplace, how important is extending credit where credit is due? How does that change when you become a supervisor? And what are some things that you personally do to make sure that that happens in your organization? Um, I think it's really important to extend credit where credit is due. I think that's, I mean, it kind of goes back to what Katie was saying as far as bad employees not being dealt with. I would kind of say the same is true for good employees. If you're not recognizing performance and attitude and the good cultural fits, then it's probably uh, as demoralizing in some ways as when you don't recognize the bad. So I think it's really, really important to say, hey, we see how good you're doing and we want you to know, you know, Here's what we're doing for you. Or here's what I'd like to, whatever it is. I've had, I've had conversations with employees. I mean, I had a conversation with an employee um, two weeks ago where I said, hey, I want you to know I recognize how good you're doing. I see that, and I want to do better for you financially. Um, I can't make any promises because I don't know if he's, anybody noticed the econo- economy's not awesome right now. Has anybody seen that? Okay. So, I mean, and this person understood, and I just said, so here's, I want you to know, though, I see this. Here's what I want to do, um, and I'm not going to make any promises, but if, you know, if we can, here's what I'd like to do for you. And this, they were very receptive to that, and I feel like it, it made a difference for them. But just taking a minute and telling them, I recognize your work. I recognize the excellence in your work. Um, that goes a long, long way. It goes back to what I said a minute ago about thank you. Thank you. Thank you for working like a dog. Thank you for being excellent and being on time. And you know, So I think that's really important to do that. So how do we do that here? I mean, um, well, I mean, I was talking to one of our employees today about, uh, about, their specific job, and I just, we were talking about their flexibility they have. So I can't, none of our, I don't know if you guys know this, none of our staff is rolling around in big piles of cash. Like, none of our staff is getting wealthy doing this, uh, but what I can offer them is flexibility in their schedule. And so that's one of the things that our staff really appreciates, is that there is a lot of flexibility there. So that's one of the things I can do. And to be perfectly honest with you, when we have staff that abuse that, I can pull back on that and go, no, we're going to need you in the office more. Um, And so there's things like that that we can do. You know, obviously I can't pay like, you know, Google does or anything like that, but there's things we can do well, so that's a good question. We don't have to go till eight, but we've got 17 more minutes if you guys want to have more conversation. I want you to get your money's worth, so... 
I have another one. Of course you do. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, what should you do if your job is particularly intense? Should you just avoid interactions with people during the moments where it's intense and wait for things to calm down or just meet with people outside of work? Uh, how, do you, how would you handle that? Say you have a job that's super fast paced, requires a lot of focus, but at the same time you want to try to love others well, uh, but that would potentially get in the way of the quality of your work. Should you just avoid the interactions entirely instead of risking having like a, a small talk interaction where it seems like you're rushed and you don't care? Yeah, like the one I mentioned earlier, just the, hey, how was your weekend? How's your kids? Do? That kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good question. Any thoughts on that from the room? Any, any feedback? Because it feels like there are some industries represented in this room that might be able to speak to that. Or maybe there's not. Perhaps I, was, perhaps I misread the room. Um, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I mean, sometimes you, you have to be intentional with your time and carve out time for those things. So you could let your employees know. You could create events around that, whether it's, you know, I, I work in education and sometimes we'll just have, uh, you know, scheduled coffee with deals where we'll set aside an hour. I'll just say I'll be somewhere. There'll mm -hmm. be coffee if you want to come and talk. So just kind of open up other, other opportunities when it's not so intense or you're not in the heat in the moment that people know that you're able to be approached and, yeah. and, and it'll go well. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Suddenly, everybody wants to share now. It's okay. Oh, you skipped Katie, but we'll come back to Katie. So, Sorry. He did it because you're a woman. He went to the man first. Michael. That was Michael Bond, for those of you watching on the internet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Somehow now I feel guilty too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I can't really cont contribute too much from like the employee perspective because the only boss I, I ever really had was also named dad so yeah it's kind of but um like you, you nailed several things it's an incomplete acronym so maybe somebody can help me but like some of the non-monetary kind of things the ways that as a manager you can try to show this love and appreciation and think to your people it's i used grapes growth recognition appreciation participation i don't have anything for e so if you can Think of anything cool that you and then several just to repeat those. Yeah, okay, encouragement, cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, I, I use that with my leadership team that to always be intentional, be on the lookout for um, ways that we can creatively provide those kind of opportunities um, yeah. for our team. And then also with the leadership team, I had a couple mottos that, you know, nothing positive has ever been accomplished by someone with a negative attitude. Mm -hmm. and, that, and then along with that, um, we didn't have a swear jar, but it was like a uh, a complaint or criticism mm -hmm. jar that, well, like, if, if my leadership team was starting to kind of complain or talk bad about uh, their their workers, their employees, mm -hmm. they had to pony up into the jar because listen, it's our job as the leaders to create the environment where people want to yeah. work, want to come to do their job, and. Like, that's not on them. That's your fault. You yeah. haven't created that environment yet. What do we need to do? What do I need to do as an owner to help support that so that we can create the culture that we're looking for? And, um, like, I don't know. What you said about um, how it feels mm -hmm. okay, when you were talking about um, the, the culture that I, uh, people are really good at, like, coming up 
mostly with what they don't want. It's hard mm-hmm. to be clear around what you do want. Yeah. But the other side of that target, like, you have to, if you really take the time to articulate how you want everything to feel, you know, um, because it does, it fl- like you said, it flows through um, all the employees and then that, and how they interact with uh, the customers or yeah. or whoever it is they're dealing with. That's hugely important. Then one other little cliche thing that I always had with that was uh, talent. It's like capital or like a lot of things. Talent will flow to wherever it's treated best. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that, that's kind of just at the heart of what you were saying. That, yeah. You know, if we're not treating that talent the best that's available in the industry, it's, it's going to go yeah. better. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, that, that was awesome. I love uh, you, especially that defining how you want everything to feel. That's yeah. at the heart of your culture. That's good. I especially like the part where you complimented me. I like that part. That was good. <laughs> yeah, I do. I need some physical, yeah. I was just going to comment because it didn't seem like anybody else was. <laughs> so th- that, I can tell already this is going to be a high valuable comment. Well, th- I mean, my work is not that fast paced. So we do a lot of like, hey, how was your weekend? Yeah. Like, when is your kid getting your braces off? Like we talk about, you know, we're in the office together all day. But my husband's a state trooper mm-hmm. and um, they go through seasons of being fast. You know, a shift can be really busy or not. But overwhelmingly what I've picked up from him is um, they like they don't necessarily ask about what you did over the weekend or sit around and talk as much, but just generally how they treat it. Like there are guys that he seems to like just because of generally how they treat each other. Mm-hmm. So even though it might not be setting aside like a conversation or checking in about the weekend or asking about their family, just even through like the bare minimum, like necessary interactions, their yeah. demeanor and the way that they treat each other mm-hmm. leaves an impression, whether it's good or bad. Well, and I think in that kind of culture, it's probably a little different too because they, there's probably a, a high priority set on respect that if, if you are respectful of me and I am respectful of you, we're going to work well together, whether I like you personally or not, whether we could go watch a movie together or go get dinner or not, if, you know, um, but... But yeah, and, and guys kind of tend to be a little more like that, I think. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good observation. And plus, you're, you're billing by the hour, too, so you want to talk to people. Like, let's just keep this going. Let's talk a little longer, right? So <laughs> tell me about the kids again. I forget. What? Kind of to extend off of that, here's another question involving authority and respect. How do you as a boss interact with your employees on a human level? Um, does that carry the risk of them losing respect for you as an authoritative figure? And if it does, how can you do it in such a way that that doesn't happen? Um, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a little in here in the past, but um, so the trick in, in my role is that I want to, I want to be my staff members friend, their pastor, and their boss. And I can't necessarily be all three of those. So if I can only be one, I have to be their boss because they work for me. Um, But they get to choose if we get to be friends or if I can be their pastor. And so it largely depends on them as far as like them setting the boundary for here's what I expect out of our relationship. Um, But so I feel like even in terms of um, 
even in terms of us just our friendly interaction, it's more dependent on how do they perceive me, and it's less about, okay, I've got to follow this certain pattern in order to earn, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? And so I feel like if, if I'm mature and they're mature, then we can have a pastoral relationship as well as a boss-employee relationship, where I can be their friend as long as they understand. Sometimes I got to take off my friend hat and I have to put on my boss hat, and I've got to have a hard conversation with you. Because, um, I mean, this week I had a conversation with one of our staff where I just said, okay, I'm going to tell you this, and this is not your boss saying this. This is your pastor saying this. Like, I see this, and I'm concerned about this, and I love you, and... So, and again, our culture is different than business culture where, you know, you're not trying to pastor your team formally. You know, I hope you are. I hope you look at that as an opportunity to pastor the people you're leading, but uh, it's a little bit different. But I think you can. I think it depends on how mature you are and how mature the people on your team are. And you probably recognize, like, okay, I can't be as familiar with this person because if I do, then they're going to lose respect for me. They don't know how to be friends and let me be their boss too. And so those are the people that I would go, okay, I got to keep them at arm's length because it's going to break down this other relationship. But this person, we can be compatriots. We can walk together and I can still correct them if I need to or give them direction. So, yeah. Anything else? Are we going to let Michael keep asking questions? Yeah. We got one over here on the left. You were talking about culture uh, when we first started here. Something that I've found that makes a big difference um, for feeling loved and feeling like you're part of a family in a business is uh, spouse events where you bring in your spouse. Uh-huh. Something um, the big company I worked for um, that focused on culture said that like half of an employee's relationship with their company is their spouse. You know, they're mm-hmm. who they come home to. So if you bring a spouse in and they talk to the business owner and everything, half your battles actually fought to keep that, that, that yeah. employee. I mean, yeah. you're in a relationship with their spouse almost a little bit too. Yeah, 100%. So that's, a, that's a major building block. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, imagine going home from a, a job every day that you're not thrilled about and you're, you go home to a spouse who hates your job obviously that's going to create some things in my heart toward my employer, right? And so um, that's, I mean, it sounds manipulative to say it this way, but honestly, that's one of the reasons why our, our staff members that have kids, I take extra time with their kids because I want their kids to love being at Summit, like, right? I want their kids to feel like, man, I don't remember that guy's name, but I know he loves me, right? Because if their kids love being here, it's going to make it easier for them to be here. If their spouse doesn't feel like we're, you know, wringing the life out of them and we're looking out for them, you know, then they're going to be more supportive of their work here. And so, again, even if I didn't care about them, if all I was doing was trying to get the best production out of them, it would make sense to treat them that way. But that's not my heart. So, yeah, that's good. Good feedback. All right. There's no rule saying we got to go till eight. So, I'm going to go ahead and wind down, and we can go ahead and keep having more conversations if you like, or I would encourage you to have conversations. Make sure. There are some great leaders in this room, and so don't just leave. Um, if there are people here you don't know, take a minute and introduce yourself to somebody. Find out, hey, what industry are you in? What do you do? Because there are, there are some people that need to get connected with other people in this room because there's opportunities. There's, 
uh, potential. There's all kinds of stuff. So make sure you take a minute before we finish up or uh, before we leave and go introduce yourself to somebody, connect with them. Um, because the, the solution to your problem might be in this room right now. Somebody might have the answer to the problem you're facing and you wouldn't know it if you just listened to me talk for an hour. So um, take some time to introduce yourself to somebody before you leave. Uh, let me pray over you and then we'll finish up. God, thank you so much for the time we've had together. I pray that, Lord, you would help us as leaders look for ways to love and value and care for and appreciate our teams better. Lord, I pray that you would help us see opportunities to, um, to catch people doing good and to reward that in whatever way is appropriate. God, I pray that you would help us be conscientious about our team and how they receive affection and what would be most meaningful to them. And I pray that we would actively look for ways to be an encouragement to the people we're leading. So God, thank you for the opportunities we have. Thank you for putting us in the places you've put us. And I pray that we wouldn't take those, those um, opportunities for granted. Lord, let us steward those well. And I pray ultimately, um, God, we're going to perform well, but God, more than that, I pray you be glorified through, through what we do. So God, have your way with us tonight. Be glorified through us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a wonderful night. Those of you watching online, have a great week. God bless you.